This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. I was about to record it to this. <laughs> Wait, you know what I realized? 420. <clears throat> I know. I thought about that too. We fucked up. We did not do a 420 episode. Also, by the way, I did this Q&A and someone asked me where I buy my uh, mushroom I chocolate. I saw that and you're like, what are you talking about? Okay, so the way I said say it, where you buy well, it. The way I said it was like that. Do you understand how many messages I receive from people being laughing my ass at this crazy person? What are they talking about? Or friends oh. being like, they're talking about drugs, Christina. I'm like, you bitches obviously don't listen to Wait, the podcast. I could literally hear you being like, I have no idea what you're talking okay. about. Like, I, That's exactly how I heard you <laughs> okay. saying that through the text. Anyways, all I have to say is the podcast listeners are obviously superior. Yeah, the podcast <laughs> listeners know what is fucking up. They know what's up. up. They're fucking cool. They know oh, what yeah. is up. Um, okay, I'm annoyed with you. I'm so nervous. I hate when people are mad at me. Wait, I said that for dramatic effect. I'm not really. Literally, though, that's like makes me more upset than anything. What did I do? <laughs> I have been asking you. Is this about Europe? Guys. I could tell you were annoyed at me. No, I'm no, annoyed I, at you, actually. I'm turning this around. <laughs> wait, wait. I mean, I'm not annoyed because I understand, but I, everyone listen to this. Okay. I think everyone's going to be on my side. No, no it's, there's no side. There's no way. There's no side. But okay, everyone, I'm planning a trip to Europe this summer. I'm going to summer for six weeks. This is like, I I have been dreaming literally we rewind to like november october last year i'm like christina are you going to greece this summer are you going to greece this summer she's like oh, yes i just don't know i don't know i don't know i'm like okay what when do you think you're gonna go you're, i really don't know so i just had to make a decision no but i knew i told you i've told you my reasoning for greece before too like i wouldn't ne- no offense i would never go to greece in june i okay okay but, but go on continue but, continue but you were you didn't know if you were gonna go yeah so, so I understand what you, you're okay, trying so to make your decision. I booked my trip to Europe and literally I get back to the United States and Christina goes. Yes. I know. And I'm, I mean, I'm annoyed because I wanted to go to Greece I with know, you. I know. I'm re- I'm actually really, really annoyed about it too. Okay. So here's my thing with Greece is that for me, like you were coordinating with your family, I'm coordinating with family and also all of my family in Europe, like in Greece and also my family from the States that are going to Greece, they all go the end of July, beginning of August. Like that yeah. is the time to be in the Greek islands. But I don't remember you telling me that. I feel like I have. I, okay. Cause that's what always when we've always gone to Greece. Cause it's like, that's well, just I like can't prime time. That time. I know. <laughs> no, I can barely afford it now. It's for- actually really crazy expensive. I just started looking at it, but, and also, so I really, I was just talking to Steve about this too, because I was like, we haven't booked anything yet. I was like, should we go earlier? Should we not? But the thing is that we're going to New Jersey so this is the issue. I'm going to New Jersey for a couple of weeks. I wish you guys could see my face right now. And then Rayanne, as soon as I get back to New Jersey from New Jersey, Rayanne leave. leaves like pretty much the next day. And then as soon as she gets back, I leave like no, three days later. We're literally not going to see each other for from May until May August. May to August. Why? That is literally pissing me off. I know that's really bad timing. But here's <sighs> the thing. I have a child and a family. You're a single, flexible gal. What do I do? Come to Jersey with you and your family? No, I'm saying to move Europe around. You know what I mean? Oh, I cannot move Europe around. Do you know how much work has gone into this trip? I can imagine. I cannot. Literally, 
I planning a trip for six weeks is crazy. Is crazy. I can't even tell you how much time. And I'm, this, my friend Katie is helping me. Thank God. But it is, it is wild. And honestly, getting ho- I, I, like this summer in Europe, like I honestly think you're. I know June, you're saying that August is a prime time to go to Greece. I think that like based on the availability, it's going to be like the whole time, like June, July, August. Like, oh, you mean like everything's booked? Everything is booked. Yeah, everything is booked. Yeah, I can so, see that. I, think, I just think this this is like the first summer since um, pandemic times. Pandemic times. So Shit, I really need to book our flights. You you really do. Yeah. I'm the thing you. is with Greece, like you guys get a, you have family there. We you have stay family there. there, so we have yeah. like houses there. Like yeah, that's why. I guess I'm just gonna have to come back. I think so. <laughs> I think <laughs> you might have to. Honestly, we have I to figure it out. Nothing's booked. I might surprise you, but I what it looks like right now is that I wish you were, we're just going a, the last three weeks. I know. I wish you were just a little more like me and had a plan. You just I, and this is what I love about you is you're like huh, we'll just figure it out. We'll go. But like I'm like oh, we gotta make a plan. <laughs> I'm like oh, but you could be more flex. No, I mean at this point though I can't. Yeah. I would literally, I would at this point that would be hours and hours and hours of work rebooking totally trains. Call, no, yeah. there's no way. And already friends are coming to meet me. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no way I, I'm honestly, how do I just convince Steve to just be like, listen, why don't you guys meet me in Europe Wait, and I'll be there with Ray for like, at least like a couple days or a week. I'll be, I mean, I'm just saying maybe that's an option to come meet me at this and the last part of it. In Paris, right? In Paris. Oh, that sounds so In Paris? Paris? I know it's so annoying. Honestly, summer travel. I was just thinking about this too on the way over here. I'm like, wait, I'm like so excited to go away, but also the idea of like booking and everything and like, it's like stressing me out a little bit. I'm like, like this is supposed to be fun. No, it's stressful. And I mean, I'm stressed for I, I'm stressed for you because you're you're just gone for like a long time. May, all of May. And then three uh, weeks. It's yeah. a long time. It's a long time. You're gonna be on a long time. We gotta figure out oh, I can't even wrap my brain around it. Can't even wrap my brain around it. Anyway. So that's why I'm annoyed with Christina, everyone. But I'm not really. I understand. No, but I understand also, too. I'm annoyed about the situation as next, well. Okay, fine. Maybe next. I just at some point in our life, I have to go to Greece with you. And I don't know what'll happen. But so we'll just maybe I'll do it next summer. Maybe. I know. Tiano, it was like so annoyed with me too. She was like, I feel like it's funny because I'm the person who everyone wants to go to Greece with. But to be honest with you, I'm like, wait, let's go somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, true. But I feel like it's so special when you go somewhere where like you, this is like your, like you got family, you go, yeah. you know, like you're like a insider, you know? But anyway, we Damn. can go somewhere else too. But um, yeah. What would you do if you just extended your trip for another couple of weeks and just didn't go home in the beginning of July? I mean, I'm just really banking on us walking for Sports Illustrated in Miami. Yeah. So... Also, I'm going to try and reach out to some brands and see about swim week stuff. So that's kind of why I booked my return date mm-hmm. um, because I feel like I need to redo swim week, but I was really hoping you <laughs> would come with me, mm-hmm. but that's okay. You'll be gone. We'll, we'll pivot. We'll pivot. Um, so I could extend depending on what happens. I'm like loosey goosey. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll fall in love and, you know, be with like a Greek man. Andres, I can imagine you with something like a, what's an, his name? An Andrea or someone like that. Wait, Andrea? Yeah, it's not sexy. That's hot. I know. Do you have any hot cousins or anything? <sighs> They're all short. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, I'm kind of dabbling into the short King Spring, 510. Nah, I've been dabbling. I feel like they're like 5'5, five, 5'6. Five, five, I'm sorry. Uh, wait, what? I feel like that is no. They, 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 I hope they don't listen you, to the podcast. They might not be. I think you need to check on that because that is small. They're that small. small They're small. Are Greek men small? A lot of them My are fuck. very small. A lot of them are very small. They're going to want to climb you, me like a tree. Are you going to Northern Europe? No, I might actually be going to Copenhagen in September with my sisters. Ooh, maybe that's the trip I'm coming I, on. I honestly, that would be so fun. I feel like I need to go to my my roots. Yeah, that'd maybe. be amazing. Yeah. Um, can I tell you what happened today? Yeah, what happened? Okay, so guys, since we got back from Coachella, we live in an apartment building, right? And in our garage, there was a light, and one of the lights had been flickering, and it's kind of like a little. It's just like weird to see a flickering light. Like it kind of just kinda gives eerie. you creepy vibes a little bit, you know. So anyways, today I was like going up to my apartment. I'm like with Nicholas and this building manager came out and she's like a new building manager. She's like really, really quirky. Like there's like, she's kind of weird. <laughs> anyways, she's like, oh, have you seen the flickering light? I was like, yeah, I have. It's kind of weird, right? She's like, yeah. She's like, you know, I wasn't going to say anything, but I've been a medium and psychic for, for seven years. And um, I think that's Steve's dad saying hi. And I was like, I was like, What? And she's like, yeah, it could be his grandpa or maybe they're together, but I'm pretty sure it's his dad. Does she know that Steve? No, she had no idea. So Steve wasn't with me at the time. He was at the gym. So I'm like going upstairs. I'm like, what? So then I have like a little bit of a conversation with her, whatever. And she's like, she's like, it's not a bad thing. She's like, it's a really good thing. Like that's how spirits communicate mostly through electricity. And so I told Steve when I got home, I was like, hey, have you spoken to like the building manager recently? He's like, no, why? He was like, she approached me today about it's so weird. And I was like, yeah, she said it was your dad. And he was like, what? <laughs> I can hear Steve saying that. He was like, she did. I was like, yeah. I was like, did you ever tell her like that your dad passed away? He's like, no, I've never said that to her. Wait, I kind of just got I chills. know. How weird is that? That's kind of crazy. I know. Because it's not like she knows, like she doesn't she know, know you I thought like maybe they had a conversation about it because Steve's mom comes over and helps. So like, I was like, oh, maybe one time she asked like, oh, where's your dad? You know what I mean? Yeah. And he said, no, they've never talked about it at all. Do you think Steve, you you should ask Steve's mom if she's talked to her? Maybe I should. I I need to get it to, I need to hear that. I need to hear if Steve's mom has told her that. I will. Steve's dad has passed. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I know. How random is that? And she just said it like so matter of factly. Like, I think it's Steve's dad. Yeah. She's like, no, not, I think like it's Steve's dad. She's like, it could be his grandpa, but I'm pretty sure it's it's so weird, right, guys? She sounds like an interesting character. She's definitely an interesting character. And she was saying how she spoke to her daughter about it. She's like, should I tell them that it's his dad or no? And I was like, what? She was like, I don't want them to think I'm weird. I kind of like it. Yeah, me too. I thought it was super cool. I was like, it's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. Mm -hmm. It's a sign. Interesting. Um, Anything else before, anything else to catch up on before we get into Obsessed? No, I think that's it. Let's get into it. What are you obsessed with? Um, well, I was going to talk about how I picked up tennis again. Oh, yeah. But I actually saw something else I want to talk about before um, you came over. Um, Nyx is shooting their swim campaign. Oh, yeah, I saw that. In, where are they? Barbados. In Barbados. And they're literally shooting the photos and then uploading them directly to like the website and stuff. So they're completely like... That's so cool. Like on like unedited images. And I was like, wow, that's super, super cool. Because I think that like, obviously still people like adjust lighting and stuff. Yeah. Too, but like, I just have never seen a brand do that. And I was like, dang. And like Hunter McGrady was there and 
Sarah, the bird's papaya. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's like a really cool campaign. Yeah, that is a really cool campaign. I don't understand why we weren't invited to be part of it. Okay, <laughs> you want to know what? What? Did you think that? Okay, I think a lot about how, do we just not give off like, we want to go on trip energy? Because <laughs> I have been, in the, we've been in this business for many, many, many years. I've been on one, okay, two trips, which I'm very grateful for. But I feel like I, I'm putting it out there for any brands. I'm willing to travel. Mm-hmm. We are ready to be booked and we're really fun on trips. No, most fun. Yeah. Maybe so, that's it. They're worried it will be too much fun. Take probably, over the trip. Probably. They're I probably think like, that's they're too much fun. We can't invite them. Um, no, but I'm excited to look at the images because I have not, I like saw the social part of it yeah. just from like Hunter and Sarah's pages, but I haven't like seen it via Nyx yet. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Yeah. So that's what I was obsessed with today. What about you? Okay. So the one thing I'm obsessed with is... So obviously the Kardashians are back on air. Yes, I am loving the new show. Guys, I think it's so boring. What? Yes. And I realized watching the past two episodes, because I watched last night's episode. I haven't watched last night. Okay. Is that I never really watched the Kardashians. Like I like following them via social, but their show just seems so manufactured to me. And like people are like, oh, not this. The new series doesn't feel like that as much. But I'm like, no, this still feels so scripted. And anyways, I think it's boring. And I don't know if it's like part of it is because we already know so much of like what goes on. Mm. And I'm just like, is everyone actually enjoying it? Or it's just like cool to like be watching the Kardashians. I wouldn't say it's cool to be watching the Kardashians. No, I kind of feel like it is like, really? I feel like everyone on social is talking about it. Oh, maybe I follow a lot of pop culture. Accounts. I was going to say, I haven't really seen anyone talking about oh, it. Oh my gosh. I feel like everyone's talking about it. Interesting. I haven't really seen much about it, um, but I, I'm digging the new season. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, if you're watching, let us know in our Facebook group what you think, because yeah, I don't know. Also, this is off topic, but someone posted in the Facebook group that we haven't been posting the photos we mentioned when we talk in the episodes. And I was like, fuck, I don't even, I don't even remember what we promised what photos I think I'll be like, I'll upload a photo of like, <laughs> you know what I am going to upload in the Facebook group if I can find it. Cause what? I switched phones and I lost a lot of stuff. Oh no. Is the video of us on from the 420 episode last week year. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that made me laugh. Oh yeah. Really I, hard. If you can't find it, I definitely have it somewhere. Okay. But anyway, that was off. You said that made me think of that, but okay. Christina is not vibing with the Kardashians. I'm not. I just, I'm not. That's fair you are entitled to that opinion. Uh, thank you. I'll let you know after I watch. I've only watched the first episode and I hey, I, I watch it while I'm kind of like doing stuff, working, or okay, like so online shopping. So that's good. I watch it when I'm ready to go to bed. So I just pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Christina is so tired. She can barely keep her eyes open. I'm like, this show's so boring. Like, this show's boring as hell. <laughs> I just pass the fuck out. Okay. Well, maybe try a different time of day. Um, my product that I'm obsessing over is this set active jumpsuit. Mm, I think I've seen you post about it. It looks so good on me. I'm sorry. I know that sounds like I, I love it. I love it so much. My boobs, like it literally makes my boobs so perky. Wait, this is so interesting. Cause I feel like you have not liked set and vast. I have not like, I think there's stuff like I like a pair. They sent me three things recently. Mm-hmm. Love the jumpsuit. One outfit, I was kind of like, eh. And the other one I really liked. But still, the sports bras aren't like, I can't do hit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll lift in them because we're not like jumping around. We're not doing any of that. And I could do like maybe yoga and stuff, but they're very low support. And I still wear the large. I'm the XL. So yeah. I'm the top of the size chart, which I don't think is great. I'm like, okay, come on. But this jumpsuit, I'm saying, I'm telling you, I don't know what they put in it. It is good. The magic of the jumpsuit. And I want the short one, but they're all sold out. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to need to get it because I love jumpsuits. Yeah. It's sexy. So right, good to know. What's your product? Okay. I'm obsessed with Elta MD. Okay. Tell me about that. Okay. Talk so to me about Elta this. MD's face sunscreen. Do I need it? You absolutely, everyone needs it. I literally could not recommend more. And I am really, really critical when it comes to sunscreen because I have the world's most sensitive eyes. Like they tear like crazy Yeah, that's true. to the point where like, I really, most of the time I don't wear sunscreen or I can't wear like a lot of facial products that have like SPF in them because sunscreen just kills my eyes. I don't know what the chemical is that really bothers me. All I know is that Elta MD does not have it. Okay. It is so good. It's also great for acne prone skin and for oily skin. Okay. I need that because all of a sudden I have oily skin now. I don't know what's happening. It, it is incredible. It is okay. incredible. Do you have a coupon code for us? No, I yeah. don't. And honestly, no, I've, I tag them so many times. <laughs> they don't even say thank you. <laughs> I'm like, right. wait a minute. I'm going to ask them for a discount code. Actually, I'll ask them for it. But I don't as of now, I don't have a discount code. OK, well, I'm going to get it. Um, it. Also looks like really good on top and underneath makeup. OK, so it's it, like won't mess up your makeup. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've been using Supergoop for years. Mm-hmm. I like Supergoop, too. And I like Supergoop, but I want to try which this one. Which one do you use? Supergoop just has so many products. I'm like, which one so do I one like? One. You know what I tried? I tried the glow screen one because everyone was hyping it up. Mm-hmm. It like did weird stuff. Like, I felt like mm. I looked like it was not good. That's the, like the stick, right? No, it's like... I think it comes in this... St- There's too many products. <laughs> There's They have a lot of products. But this one, it's like... It, it, it made me look like like fucking Edward Cullen. Like it was so glowy and I'm so pale on my mm. face. It was like not a good vibe. I just use like the everyday lotion that's like SPF 50. Like, and I'll put it on my chest and stuff too. That's like what I wear when I don't wear makeup. Yeah. So I need one for like under makeup. I really love Elta MD. Okay. Also real quick, when we're talking about glowiness, Steve lately has been telling me how oily I look all the time. I'm like, no, Steve, like that's my makeup. It's like glow. He's like, how do you get rid of some of the oil? I'm like, it's not oil. It's glow. Wait, have you been going for extra glowy? Looks? I just love, I think it's because I been using like three different products that all about glow. Glow. So it's like glow on glow on glow. Yeah. But I like it. I haven't thought you've looked oily recently. I don't either. This man is just very complicated. Okay? Steve, Steve, Steve. Very opinionated. Anyway, should we get into today's episode? Let's do it. Today, we're chatting with Eve Rotsky, who is an author of the New York Times bestselling book, Fair Play. Her book addresses the discrepancy between the amount of responsibilities women take on to run a household. So if you've ever felt like you're contributing more than your partner, which let's be real, haven't all women felt like that at some point? Mm-hmm. If you ever felt like you're taking on the mental load and running the household and are frankly completely burnt out and overwhelmed, well... This episode is for you. Eve wrote Fair Play after having a life-changing aha moment to change the narrative and divide up household tasks fairly. So let's welcome Eve. 
Okay. So we have Eve here with us. Eve, first of all, we're so excited to chat with you. So thank you so much for joining us today. I feel so Uh, happy to be here. I love your podcast. Thank you. That means so much. So as you all know, I have a baby. He's 16 months old. And I think like as a new mom, there's just so many things that you're doing for the first time, right? You're, you're learning everything. You're navigating this whole new life. And something that really was so surprising to me that I just didn't expect was how much my relationship changed with my partner, with Mm -hmm. my husband. And he's so incredible. And there's, and we have a really great dynamic, but just our relationship became harder. It just, it just became different in so many ways. And to be honest with you, I felt so alone and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why is this happening? Like, am I, am I the only one that feels like this? And I started opening up to my very close group of friends who have kids and I was just blown away by their response. I'm like, wait a minute. Like everyone wants to kill their husband sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's not just me. And I, I, I honestly felt like I was the only one. And then I started talking about it on the podcast and I was just overwhelmed by the amount of messages received. And I was like, wow, I feel like every single woman has felt this way, especially every woman with kids and, you know, just not women in general. It's just so it's been so challenging. So then I came across your book and I've been like, it's been such an eye opener. Yes. Um, you know, I came to this work similar to you. You know, I, it's, it's not like I'm a lawyer. You know, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. a, I, I'm an activist. I, 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 I was not in my third grade board when it said, what do you want to be when you grow up? It had astronaut there. It didn't have <laughs> yeah. um, gender division of labor specialists. Right. But what they call research is really me search. And mm-hmm. so now I call myself the ghost of Christmas future because I will it's going to end with Christina, right? And and you're both cultural warriors on your podcast by talking about this. And thank you for talking about this because why the home is so dangerous. It is our last frontier for quality, but it's so dangerous because it presents like a fight over mine. My blueberries breakdown, as I call it 10 years ago, was crying alone, isolated, like you said, on the side of the road, because my husband, Seth, sent me a text that said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. And that's where fair play opens. It opens with looking around this car, completely alone, feeling so isolated, so depressed, thinking, is this it? This is what society told me to do, to have the child, to have a nice partner, to live in a nice apartment or house or whatever. And looking around and saying, okay, I have a breast pump and a diaper bag in the passenger seat of my car. I have gifts for a newborn baby to return in the backseat of my car. I have a client contract in my lap. Because I didn't didn't get anything to do with Seth at the time. I just was listening to all that toxic bullshit of just like, how do you get it all done? Wake up an hour earlier, start your own firm, be an entrepreneur, be a 1099. So I was like, well, duh, if I have more flexibility over my schedule, all this resentment and rage is going to disappear. And then it didn't. And so I remember sitting in this car. It was right after Ben, my second son was born, thinking to myself, I was racing to get Zach, who is my older son in our, his toddler transition program, which because we don't have childcare in America, that was like seven minutes costs our entire salaries. And thinking to myself, mm-hmm. as Seth sending me this text, you know, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. You know, my marriage is going to end over being the fulfiller of this man's smoothie needs. <laughs> like, that's it. And, and my marriage should have ended over a dramatic fight in the Caribbean with an NFL or an affair. (laughs) That's it. Like I'm, I'm going to have an affair with an NFL player. And I talk about that also in the beginning of the book, because the surprise Mm -hmm. of the mundane, how 
the home presented so small that I really genuinely thought, Christina, at that time we were we were fighting over blueberries. Right. Or the sponge in the sink or not putting the garbage liner back in. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that we were living in perpetuating systems that have been conspiring against women since the moment we were born. Oh my gosh. That just gave me chills, Eve. Mm-hmm. That gave me chills. And I will say like reading your book and even hearing you talk, it's like, it was like, honestly kind of like triggering and emotional for me because I saw this growing up. And even though I'm not married, I lived with a partner, a long-term partner a few years ago. And even before we were married, things were falling on me. Like, cooking he'd be like i'm on my way home what are you making for dinner and i'm like what's for dinner <laughs> exactly and what? when you said that when you were like if you're you know doing the laundry while your husband's sitting on the couch and he says what's what what are you cooking for dinner i honestly like had a physical reaction it was so no hard for me so when you just said that it's not about those mundane little things it's about these systems that are literally built against us as women I, it's, it, that's what it is and i think christina back to you know your surprise because a lot of us, you know, we've been, we heard this toxic message, like it's all about who you marry. You know, you just find a good partner. It's the and most I'm, important decision. It's the most important thing life. you'll make in your life. Blah, blah, blah. Like throw that shit out the window mm-hmm. because it's not about that. Seth is a good partner. Um, and that's why there's so much shame. People don't want to talk about their partnerships. And so they'll lie to you. They'll tell mm-hmm. you it's 50 50 or my partner gets up with the kids. So they're, everyone's lying. You know, and so the truth is we do that because we're afraid we don't want to out our partners. This wasn't to say like, I hate Seth. I'm trying to blow up my relationship by talking about him. What I was trying to say is when you say the three most toxic words that most of us say, we're going to figure it out. What that means is that we are trading structured decision-making, which is Mm -hmm. all fair play is. It's a way to have conversations so that you know what you're doing in advance so that you're not surprised. When you trade structured decision-making, which by the way, we use structured decision-making every other area of our lives. Even my Aunt Marion's Mahjong group has more structured decision-making. You don't bring snack twice to that group, you're out. But the home, (laughs) we're living this figure it out mentality. And what that means is because we don't have structured decision-making, we end up in assumption. And that gendered assumption that women shoulder all the unpaid labor has been there, you know, for hundred years, you know, since the industrial revolution. So that's why it's so hard to talk about these things because we think we're outing our partners. We think we're, we're, we shouldn't be talking about what's wrong in our marriages, that everything has to look perfect. We have to be mm-hmm. perfect parents. We can't say we hate our kids because we're supposed to love our kids, but we don't really actually do any service by perpetuating these themes among women, because then Christina has a child and then she thinks she's alone. Like I never Mm -hmm. want another Christina or a Ray when you, if you decide to partner, which you may not after this conversation, (laughs) um, you know, I don't want this to happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, and I think it could be true because I think that like your relationship could be great and your partner could be great but you could still be taking on a lot of like this invisible work, a lot of like the household duties that like people don't, that you don't even realize you're doing. And that is something that you spoke about that. I was like, Oh my gosh, wait a minute, because I'm so exhausted some days and I feel like I'm nonstop. And then I'm like, wait, what did I do? And I think, I think navigating that as a new mom is so incredibly challenging. And I think that as women too, we're told like, okay, you find, like you say, run your household like a business, but so many of us are being, are told our entire lives, like 
you don't, you don't want to be the nagging woman. You don't want to be the nagging wife. And I feel like trying to navigate running a smooth household, having your partner be an equal 50, 50 partner with, with also feeling like, wait a minute, I could just do this easier myself. I think there are so many like toxic things in like, in what I just said, and it's hard to really break that down. One of the topics that you talk so much about is the invisible work. Yeah, and mental load, and those are phrases I literally have never heard before. I've never same, even, by I, the way, same. Okay, okay, <laughs> good. I, I, I'm, I'm like, why weren't people telling me about this? I never even heard about it. So once I like understood this concept, I realized like, wait, this is something that all women are dealing with, especially those with kids. So I guess for people who don't even know what the mental load is right now and the invisible work, can you explain that to our listeners and also explain why it is so mentally and physically debilitating at times. Okay. Let's break those down because I think that's really important. It's really important how this manifests because it's like usual suspects, like that old movie, you know, where like Kaiser Soze reveals himself to you at the end and you're like, Oh my God, it's all connected. Uh, The pay gap (laughs) is connected. Women are paid Mm -hmm. less for this. We're, we're um, not in positions of power and it all the Kaiser Soze of it. Is it all the spoiler alert? It's all about the home. That's why I've devoted my life to this issue because I see it now. Um, and as you said, I never even heard the term. I took gender studies. Um, I, I, I do family systems mediation. I work for families that look like the HBO show Succession for my day job. I, I dream in family systems, but still, I'd never heard any of these terms of emotional labor, the mental load, the second shift, even though I saw them all around me. And so let's just unpack why I think that is. It's because... Really, again, while we think we're fighting about the blueberries breakdown, um, or I'll tell you one quick story that I talk about in the book because it was so fascinating to me. I remember this breast cancer march I was on with 10 of my friends that looked like you, Ray and Christina, you know, powerful women who Mm -hmm. all also newly had children. This was 10 years ago. And I remember this Saturday morning, all in pink, we were honoring a friend, one of my friends who had been diagnosed. And it was this like beautiful morning on a Saturday morning. This beautiful morning, most of us were married to men. And then noon comes and we become this, you know, reverse Cinderella, <laughs> where I just remember, because I just had the blueberries breakdown of watching the volume of phone calls and texts that started to come in around noon. We were going to go to lunch. Mm-hmm. And it was like, where is Hudson's soccer bag? What's the address of the birthday party if you want me to take our kid to the birthday party? Did you leave me a gift? As I talk about my friend Kate's husband, my favorite text of all was, do the kids need to eat lunch? <laughs> <laughs> and like, so obviously, <laughs> yes, but but they've never had a meal before. They've never had a meal. Oh, we were, yeah. So what was so fascinating to me, though, when you're talking about all the toxicity around how we become complicit in our own oppression mm-hmm. is that not one of those women, those pow- and they were powerhouse women. Oscar winning producer. There was, it was a stroke and trauma doctor at a big hospital here in LA. These are not wallflowers. These are people who use their voice in in every aspect of their life. Every one of those other nine women said to me, thank you for making the dim sum reservation, but we left our partners with too much to do. Mm. Yeah. And so they, I asked them my first act of resistance in this whole world before again, gender division of labor was my, was my job was I asked them to count up and we counted up the phone calls and texts before they left me. And we had 30 phone calls and 46 texts for 10 women over 30 minutes. Now that that's invisible work. 
That's emotional labor. That's the second shift. What it means is that even if you have somebody in your home who is going to take your, your, your child to the birthday party, you're still thinking about the address to put it on their calendar, to remind them, and to buy the gift. That's the cognitive labor. I call that conception and planning and fair play that I want to take off women's plates. And that's why when the cognitive labor can't be solved, which is what fair play does, before that, I couldn't figure out a solution for that that was already on the market. That's why I created one, was that it does become easier to say to yourself, I might as well just do it myself. Mm-hmm. Because if you have to remind somebody to do something, it's just easier to do it yourself. And then we get into this horrible, horrible cycle of continuing to do it because we say to ourselves, it's easier than, than quote unquote, having to remind them or tell them or train them. That was one story that really, really stuck out to me because also I was talking to my sister and she was at lunch with um, her and her friends who all are married and have kids. And the exact same thing happened where the husbands were calling. One husband had to have his parents come for the day to help with the kids. And my sister, she doesn't have kids. She was just like, I just couldn't believe it. Like I, I felt so horrible for my friends, but they felt like they couldn't even go out and have lunch with me for the day because their homes were literally falling apart, falling apart. for being out for lunch. And as, as someone who's like single, to be honest with you, I'm like, I honestly would rather be alone and at peace than hearing some of like these stories that my friends are sharing. And so I, this is obviously where fair play comes in. So like if someone is listening to this right now and they're like, yes, yes, this is, I'm relating. Can you talk to us about how, like what you have created is like helping this? Because this is kind of like a scenario where it's like, holy shit, how did we get (laughs) here? Right. And it's like, where do we begin to get ourselves out of this instead of just being like, Oh, how do I even begin to tell my husband how to go to the grocery store? I'm just going to fucking do it. 100%. Well, thank you for saying that because there the good news is we go dark to go light. There this is light. Mm-hmm. This is a light episode because there is a solution. Yes. There is a solution. It, it's a little bit like saying don't eat sugar, which would I, I would never do, you know, but like <laughs> it's a little hard to think about in the beginning, but this is the beauty. The earlier, and this is why I love Christina, where you are and Ray, where you are, because the earlier you start to think about these things and get it right, uh, especially when you have one child before two children, you know, before life gets even harder, before you become a sandwich generation and your mm-hmm. parents start dying or getting sick, it oh just gets gosh. harder, right? Yeah. It gets harder. So that's why you, and before you have sons who can see you, one woman said to me, you know what, Eve, I read Fair Play a while ago and I came back to it because I realized I was okay doing it all, but now I'm not okay having my three daughters watch me do it all. Totally. So everybody comes at this a different place. So I want to just say, start where you are. We're talking to your listeners as if they know what we're talking about when this took me 10 years to unlearn, 10 years to unlearn this. And now Seth, my partner, is a a different man. It's hard to to, to explain the difference in my sons and my husband. So I and, and in the thousands of people who come to this work and do it, we see that there is a solution. So the secret formula here that we'll talk about is really boundaries, systems, and communication. When you invest in those three things, and we can unpack that, but when you can invest in boundaries, systems, and communication, and you can pick one, start where you are now, it doesn't all have to happen at once, then things start to change. And and I want to acknowledge, as we said earlier, this is not saying it's your fault. 
This is not, this is not our fault at all. This is society conspiring against us. And I want to just make that very clear before we go into the boundary systems and communication. This is not your fault out there. This is not any of our fault. This is because since we were born, we heard that men's time is finite and we need to protect it like it's a diamond and we need to treat our time like it's infinite, like sand. That is what we've been taught. And we know that because if women enter a male profession, salaries automatically come down. We know that because we hear breastfeeding is free. We're literally taught that in home economics until about 10 years ago, that breastfeeding is free, even though it's an 1800 hour a year full-time job. Yeah, that's insane. That actually makes me job. mad. Mad, mad. Yeah. It is free. And so then again, as you said earlier, not only do we say to ourselves that my time is worthless by saying in the time it takes me to tell him or they what to do, I should do it myself. We also say other things like my job is more flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a terrible toxic thing because if women, if women, we found if women are doctors and men are lawyers, she says her job is more flexible. If again, we're talking to the heteronormative problems here that end up trickling into all, all problems. If a woman is the doctor, the man's the lawyer, vice versa, she says her job is more flexible. If women make less money, they say, well, I have to do more unpaid labor because my husband makes more money than me. We say to ourselves, we're better multitaskers, even though there's no gender difference in the brain for mm-hmm. how we multitask. We say, I can find the time. My partner is better at focusing on one task at a time when there's actually no way to find time. What there is, is a different expectation mm-hmm. over how women have to use their time. God forbid, Christina, you're not making money for your, your the next job you take and you are not in service of your child or your partnership. We're not gonna allow you to do anything out of those three boxes. And so I just want to make that very clear before we go into, we will unpack boundary systems and communication, but I think it's very important to tell the listener that we're breathing polluted air. This is not our fault. Mm-hmm. We can take agency in our own lives to, for, to, to start the solution because we are the people who are feeling rage and resentment and oppression from it, but it doesn't mean it was ever our fault in the beginning. So let's do systems first, since that's fair play. Okay. And I think it's the meat. So let's, we're going to picture boundary systems and communication like a hamburger. So whether it's the impossible burger or the meat, um, it's, it's the thing that you can't really live without. And, but the boundaries and communication, like who wants to eat like a nasty bun? I mean, piece of patty, like that's so sad, right? So <laughs> um, the boundaries and communication make things beautiful and fun and life worth living. But the system is really the key. And that comes from just one question that I had to ask because the origin of fair play didn't just start like, oh, I have a system for the home. It started the way every other woman starts with a list called the should I do spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Because I thought invisible work, that's a term coined in 1986 by a sociologist named Arlene Kaplan Daniels. Well, duh, if it's emotional labor, mental loads, you know, invisible work, all you have to do is make it visible. And I did that. I made a 2000 item spreadsheet, 98 tabs called the should I do, send it off to Seth. And he sends me a monkey emoji covering its eyes, right? <laughs> it was the day that I realized after nine months of sourcing this most beautiful spreadsheet with other women before social media 13 years ago, mm-hmm. um, that Seth didn't want to see it, that this was not going to be as easy as making a list. So what I remember about coming at the end of a list and saying, okay, well, if lists don't work, either I can leave my marriage and do this through court-ordered custody, as one friend said, that's how she got her fairness. Mm-hmm. I could resign myself to doing it all and becoming a gray version of myself. 
or I can get my ass in gear and become my own client. And that's ultimately what I did. And what I realized is that the question I asked for all those HBO show succession clients is what if your home is your most important organization? How different would it look if this was your most important organization? Would you um, say you'd figure it out? Would you have employees in that organization that came to you and said, hey, Ray, what should I be doing today? I'll just wait here to tell me what to do. You know, no, you -hmm. wouldn't. I'll tell you that. I know you both. So Mm -hmm. what, what was happening was when I asked that question and people were saying to me, one man said to me, well, you mean like my house, Eve, where we wait to decide who's taking the dog out, right? When it's about to take a piss on the rug. And I said, yeah, exactly. I want that for families, but the opposite, whatever you're doing in your family, I want the opposite. So the way you get there was the second most important question I asked, which is how did mustard get in your refrigerator? And once I realized in 17 countries, because condiments, they translate to different languages, it's the best. (laughs) Once I realized that it was women, again, in these heteronormative relationships, women were saying, I bring home yellow mustard. I notice my second son, Johnny, only eats his protein with yellow mustard. Mm -hmm. So what was cool was I know that phase that's called conception in the business world. Like you get paid big bucks to come up with new ideas and to notice things. And then that woman would say to me, and then I get stakeholder buy-in from my family for what they need. Well, they shouldn't actually say stakeholder buy-in, but that's what I'm listening for, for what my family needs for the grocery list. And I monitor the mustard for when it's running low. That's planning. We also get paid big bucks for that. Mm -hmm. And then I would hear, oh yeah. And then I send my partner to the store, Eve. And he brings home, not the yellow, the spicy fucking Dijon every time. (laughs) And I will never trust him with my living will because he can't bring home the right type of mustard. So that's where we end up in a relationship with no accountability and trust. Mm -hmm. And so this is not, again, as a mediator, I would say, this is not the presenting problem. It's not about the mustard or the blueberries, as we said. This is about erosion of accountability and trust. In any relationship, whether it's a work relationship, whether it's you, Ray and Christina, you, accountability and trust are the linchpins of your system for how you work together. So what's the big aha moment that I had? When you keep conception, planning, and execution together, when you hold the groceries card, as I call it in fair play, it's a metaphor of a hundred playing cards that make up the home. When you hold the card with conception, planning, and execution, and you don't break it up, then magic happens. It is literally a system that is magical. It is CPE is now a household term. Seth and I use it for everything. Who's going to CPE school forms this year? Who's going to CPE groceries? It means back the fuck off. I'm going to do this with a minimum standard of care. I got this and you can hold me accountable for it because I trust you. And that to me is why it's the meat. But it's obviously it's easier said than done, right? Because then we would all do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, no, but I love that so much because we talk a lot about empowering our partners to do things. And like, I just gave an example earlier about, um, I, or in the last episode about my birthday, like my husband, I let him take control and he planned everything Yay. and it ended up being so great. You know what I mean? But it's hard. It's easy. It's easier said than done. Well, it's easier said than done because like what I said, are you going to give your partner your living will if you think they can't even bring home the right type of mustard? Right. So what happens is the erosion of trust starts in these death by a thousand cuts. 
Mm-hmm. It's because we start to know our baby better. We start to know our household better because maybe our job is more flexible or we're used to taking this work on or or in our households. We learned to, to fold fitted sheets because we are with our mothers and the men in our lives didn't do it. And so we just have more experience, right? We have more experience in the household realm. And, and But that does not mean <laughs> that it has to stay that way. It does right. not mean that somehow Seth was not as competent at any of the things. And so, yes, there is a little bit of blaming women where we say, well, lower your standards or get out of men's way. But also I would say, no, it's not about, I want things to be done at a certain standard. I, in my research in 17 countries, now in thousands of interviews, there were, there were men who left pairing knives in car seats. (laughs) So no, no, if there's a fucking knife in my car seat, I'm not that I'm not lowering my standards. I'm not gonna have my baby stabbed with a paring knife, right? So we do standards are good. Mm-hmm. And so but what happens when you start, and this is how why I think fair play became so interesting because this is what I'm trained in. Your listeners won't see this, but this is one of my books. It's called Positive Organizational Scholarship. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'll say be be a, don't be wary of self-help books that don't have bibliographies, you know. <laughs> That's it's important that things are rooted in science. So the science of, of, of CPE, organizational management, is mm-hmm. we know human beings like context and not control. Mm-hmm. So the home for men, when I asked men, well, what do you hate about home life? It wasn't even nagging. It was, I can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. That was the number one by far. It wasn't my wife nags me or I hate you know taking my kid to school. It was, no, there was pressures on me to get everything right and I don't even know what to do that's right. I don't even know what has to be done. So I'm living in a psychologically unsafe environment because I don't even know my role. It's called not knowing your role. So I don't think men have it so great either. Right. So everything is all messed up. So that's why Fair Play became a love letter to men because it's almost worse to not know what to do in your home than to be overburdened by everything in your home. So it's just a complete and total shit show. But the cool thing about CPE, especially Ray, if you don't have kids, the metaphor of fair play is 100 cards. You would be starting in your relationship with 60. You add 40 if you have children. So the beauty is when you start with 60, there's a lot less to divvy up and you can build your deck together for what matters. When you have a child, you're adding these 40 cards. So it becomes a great transition period to say, what do we matter? What can we give up on? What cards are in our deck? What can we throw out? And when you start to think about the why you do things, then the context becomes, so I'll do one more system before we do boundary and communication. For Seth mm-hmm. and me, it was garbage. It started with garbage. And ironically, Seth immediately got the CPE framework because that's actually, he does a directly responsible individual model in his office. Companies are moving towards something called DRI, which is a lot like CPE, like just, as you said, Christina, like owning the birthday party on mass mm-hmm. scale in the workplace. And so he understood, okay, garbage is more complicated in LA. It's not an incinerator shoot in our apartment in New York. The bins have to get out. You know, the Mm -hmm. garbage liner has to go back in. Like that's Mm -hmm. the CPE. I have to think about the day that it's trash day. No one's reminding me. Uh, I have to know if there's trash bags to put back in, in the, you know, in the trash can. So Seth got that. But what was happening to me was the system wasn't working yet. This is when we were designing the system. CPE wasn't enough. Because I was his garbage shadow. I would literally just follow him like this, like around him in behind me. And then what happened was 
one day he looked at me and says, I'm not going to do the ownership mindset because you can't, you literally are stalking me over garbage. And that's when I realized the family systems work that I did, where you start with your why, is how we have to start these conversations. The why for me was I grew up in a single parent household. There were cockroaches and water bugs when I put my disabled brother to bed at night alone because my mother worked late. And when I see a banana peel in the garbage overflowing, I feel like I'm a latchkey kid again. Mm-hmm. Once I get to tell Seth that, and he said, well, I had a housekeeper in my house. And so I don't give a shit about garbage. I slept on pizza boxes in my fraternity. Do I say, well, I care about it more, so I do it? No. What he says to me is, I know you care about this. I will continue to do it, but let's come up with a minimum standard of care. And for us, that was garbage goes out once a day. So yes, it sounds like we talked a lot about garbage. It took us about 20 minutes to talk about that one card. But now for the rest of my life, what's been happening for the past eight years is garbage has been going out once a day without me having to ask. So those investments in the why make it a harder system to adopt, but it becomes the key and the linchpin to the system. I think that's so interesting because developing that why, like, and giving that reasoning, that's something that my husband does really well. So like he gives explanations for everything he does and it helps me understand him so much better. And for me, I think like navigating my household is so interesting because I grew up, my mom was a stay at home mom. She knows how to run a household better than like anyone I could ever imagine. She's like what people say, like she is like the ultimate mom. And my dad, um, you know, he worked and he took care of our family. So they each had their individual roles. So seeing that, but now being in a relationship where both work and they're both are trying to manage the house, it's so different and interesting to navigate. Absolutely. So we think about that, right? When you look back and so let's, you know, let's just play one quick game to to show how you can start using some of these tools to start where you are. If you're like, because you don't love this, you don't want to, um, ever start by making this a list, right? The idea of the fair play tools, they're free. You can find them in the book. We have fair play life. Like we are here to just give all the tools in the world to women. Um, But, but the beauty of these tools is you can use them in so many different ways, depending on where you are. So there's some couples who I have a couple who they're both coaches. They're obsessed with systems. They just were like, okay, CPE all the way, minimum standard of care. There's other people who are like, the gender roles in my house were really strong. It's hard for me mm-hmm. to really think about where to begin. So where do you begin in a system is start telling your stories to yourself or to your partner. So even if you took the cards, the metaphor of the cards, the you know, again, these tools are are on the website and you can put them in your show notes. We're happy. The, yeah, the we idea, will. yes, these are a, a talking point. So let's play a game where I'll ask what each of you, and this is sort of where you can start. If again, you're like, well, this feels overwhelming. I'm not going to just start a system where I start allocating cards yet. So let's, I'm just going to shuffle through the cards and I want, um, I'll start with you, Christina. Just tell me when to stop. Stop. I'm so nervous. No. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. This is okay. I just, this is again, this is a way a lot of couples play. I just, you pull a card out of the hundred. So what I pulled for you it's like tarot is teacher communication. Mm-hmm. So I I want to ask you, tell me what, um, what was it like as a child? Who, who do you remember? Who went to your parent teacher conferences? Uh, do you remember anything about notes that came home? Who talked to your teachers? Tell me what you remember about anything around 
communicating with your teachers growing up, what elementary school you went to, anything you can remember? I think that, I think both of my parents went to my parent-teacher conferences because I always remember it being like a thing like, oh, you need you need to come home early from work because we have parent-teacher conferences. Um, and whoa, whoa. I, let's just even just say what you just said. You need to come home early from work. So mm-hmm. there was a, you have to do something. This is in my domain type of communication already, just even in like how you're modeling that conversation that your parents had. Yeah. Or like, like they both needed to be there to do it together. Yes. Yes. What else um, do you remember? Oh, goodness. Um, I think that I, I'm trying to think of like, I think they both like talked to me about, I was always a good student. Like I always had good rapport with my teachers. Like, I don't feel like there was ever anything bad to report. So I don't remember that, but I always remember feeling like, do you remember getting your report cards? Like what that yes. felt like? Yes. And I remember if it was bad, I would always want to go to my mom first. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's so fun to like, just think back because even the way that if you think to yourself, okay, my parents are both there. So I believe in that value that my parents will both show up. But if, mm-hmm. if the inherent structure before you really think about this card, cause you're like, when was the last time you thought about, thought about how your parents communicated about you and, and your, your great grade school report cards. I'll probably tell you never, you probably never thought about that. But then mm-hmm. if you think, and you just repeat those systems, it would be, okay, I'm going to sign up for the parent teacher conference. I'm going to take on the role of communicating with the teacher. And then I will tell my partner to show up for that conference based on, if you're just looking at the patterns of mm-hmm. the way possibly you grew up. Okay. Ray, That's exactly what it was actually. Yes. Wow. You're right. Mm-hmm. Cause for me, I'm like, wait, both my parents were there, but wait, no, my mom actually is the one who like did all the communication, all the back and forth. Right. So, so wouldn't that just be the way you'd replicate if you're not thinking yeah. about how to interrupt those systems? Absolutely. You may not, but I think when we don't think about it, often what we do is replicate what we know. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Ray, let's, let's go with you and see what we get. Okay. Stop. Ooh. Okay, this is a good one. I'm excited. Yes. Okay, <laughs> this is a good one. Very different than teacher communication. Okay. Holidays. Mm. Okay, what do you remember about holidays? Tell me anything as a child that you remember, your favorite holiday, anything that was hard about holidays. What do you remember? Ooh. Pick a holiday. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And, yeah, let's think about it. Okay, memory. I'm going to pick a holiday. I'm going to like pick Christmas. Okay. Um, my family was always the one that hosted, so there was a lot of work to go into it. Um, thinking about, Oh my God, it's just so hard to reflect back. (laughs) I would say my, when going into Christmas, my mom shopped for all of the gifts. I know that. I mean, once we knew like Santa wasn't real, (laughs) my mom did all the shopping for the gifts, all of that asked us what we wanted, did all of that. I will say like day of, I believe my parents put the Christmas gifts out together, did that together. Um, as a family, we decorated, we would hound my parents to decorate. They weren't very <laughs> festive day of my dad actually did a lot of the cooking and the hosting, but my mom would coordinate with the whole family and say like, this is the time you need to come over. This is what we're doing. This is what everyone actually, Oh my gosh, this is kind of funny. My dad <laughs> recently, I know this is recent. He would send out a spreadsheet for the whole family and say, Love Love this dad. is what everyone needs to bring. Cause my dad would always do like the main. And so he'd be like, Carl, my brother, Carl would bring wine. My grandma's in charge of the salad, that sort of thing. Um, 
Well, can we just reflect on that for a second? How yeah. beautiful that is, because you did see an example of someone who held the cognitive labor that actually wasn't a woman. Yes, I was um, going to so say that. Again, I don't care who executes. I don't care who makes that chicken salad, the macaroni salad that comes. There was somebody, there's somebody who had to send out that spreadsheet. And that's what we're talking about here, that conception yeah. and planning. And so that's so interesting that your father is still. And so do you still do the holidays with your family? Mm-hmm. And my dad, I will say that's an interesting card to get from my family because this is one area where I think my dad really does a good job. He um, really, he hosts, does most of that, plans the menu, does the grocery shopping for when we have people over. Wait, this is so crazy to <laughs> think back on this. Wait, my dad this will go to crazy. my dad will go to Costco. My mom, what my mom does is she cleans the whole house. My dad does not clean. He, when, I love it because this is actually this is a fair play system right here. Yes, that, that's the cleaning card. And your yes. dad was hold, holding the the meal the meal and hosting card. Yes. So they were already sort of doing this natural division of the tasks in a way that's very fair play approved. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Good job, mom and dad. Woo. Yes, I'm, I'm loving. Well, I like that modeling for you. Yeah. So I like that modeling. Um, okay, Christy. What about you, Christina? What do you What do you uh, remember? Do you remember anything about your holidays? Uh, mine could not be the more opposite. Literally, my mom does everything. My dad will like help bring out because we have like a huge dining room table that they have to expand. Like, I just remember him bringing out that and the chairs. Like, we'll do like the heavy labor. But my mom does everything everything from literally decorating the house to inviting everyone to cooking to planning to clean. Like, literally, she does everything. My dad is like in charge of the liquor. Like, he'll go and get that <laughs> stuff or he'll like run some errands, I think, for my mom. But like, there would conception be conception and planning. So there she's would be in charge no of holiday without my mom. Yes, absolutely. What's when, your mom's name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth, we love you. We see all your invisible work. <laughs> yeah. We see it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I do also remember holidays being stressful. Like now as an adult, I do feel like there's stress involved there. Like I love going home for the holidays because everything's so beautiful, but I feel like there's this stress in trying to make everything perfect and like all the planning that has to go on that I'm like, takeout sounds great. Oh my God. Well, by the way, that's a minimum standard of care, right? So maybe you have a partner who wants this beautiful holiday experience and you're like, listen, let's just order like, Chinese food, right? And then they're mad at you saying like, why don't you give a shit about the holidays? If you came at it with a why saying, you know what? The holidays were really stressful for my family. I don't want to replicate that stress on us because I saw how it eroded Elizabeth's, you know, fun, whatever it is. Right. By, By starting to reflect on the humanity, because what happens, I think, is that and we are stuck on systems for a while. And I promise boundaries and communication will be very fast. But the reason why we're spending so much time on this is because we call this like chores and housework. We have to divide it up and we have to make a list and it has to be fair, but we actually don't ever reflect on the fact that this is actually our humanity. This Mm -hmm. is where our memories were made. This is how, these are the stories of our lives. Like I feel closer to you, Ray and Christina, just by asking, you know, in five minutes, just asking you that question. And then you reflect and say, well, do the people who love me know these stories about me? Like, I actually don't think Seth, Seth knew I grew up in a single parent household. He knows my mom is sort of a shit show because she loses her credit card and she lost her tooth the other day. She's always just losing everything. And he, so he knew that I was what I call a parental child, but I don't think he ever knew that my mother worked nights. I don't think he knew that I put my autistic brother to bed alone if a babysitter couldn't show up and how isolating and alone that felt even before you had a phone, right? There was like no way to 
contact my mother. We were just like hoping she'd come home. So when garbage became part of the narrative of, of where I'm coming from, I think he had a lot more empathy for me for why I sort of stared at him all day long, you know, praying that he would take the garbage out. And so, you know, that is a beautiful place to, and I hope you can, you know, together continue these stories. It would be fun for you. I'd love, I'd love to hear all of your answers to all of these, but I think the, the beauty is you can start this with your partner early, Ray, when, you know, if, you know, if you date someone, but Christina, even starting with your partner now and saying like, we don't need to start giving up everything right away. It's just, I want to understand where you're coming from Mm -hmm. with all these different topics. There are a hundred of them. You know, you could do it over a year. You could do it all at once. Seth and I, you know, when we first started this, we did over two major sessions, um, one on Valentine's day. And then we did another one on, I think it was mother's day where we just like dived into all of our stories around these issues, men, men have a harder time remembering things. It's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Seth was like, I don't remember. I'm gonna go probably because your mother did it. It's really easy for you. <laughs> and so totally. the, it's very interesting to see how we will replicate our patterns if we, and this is as a mediator, I say that, you know, there's a lot of therapists who often say this as well, but I come as this as a mediator, as somebody who works in governance and family systems. And what I always say to those families is like, I, I can't, I'm not going to replicate your patterns, mm-hmm. um, your attributions to each other in the system of how we have to make decisions based on your family foundation and your family business. Mm. Okay. Interesting. So it's, it's essentially just like divvying up. I mean, I'm going to dumb this down really. Yeah, dumb just it down. So yeah. I know. So it's basically taking all of these, like you said, death by a thousand cuts, doing the dishes, taking out the trash, signing up for the carpooling. I don't even know if that's a real thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't is, know. Yeah. That's called school forms and uh, transportation. Uh, so, Those are two cards. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm on it. So basically it. it's just setting a standard like you would at a job being like, okay, Christina, these are your responsibilities, Steve. These are yours. That's so it. it's not that's fighting it. over who's going to, are you going to fucking take the trash out? That's like, right. Blah, blah, blah. That's so right. It, that's right. so it's basically prevents building up this resentment towards your partner and really making it equal because in the system we're in right now, women are taking on everything. So it's working with your partner to fairly divvy that up to avoid this, right? hundred percent by starting with building your deck together. Yeah. Because one of the hardest things was that so many men were saying to me, my partner does unnecessary things. I was like, what the hell is unnecessary? And it always came down to like going to church. And I was like, okay, well, that's one card. Like she, she wants to go to church or whatever. I was like, okay, well, that's what, that's spirituality. Fine. We'll take out spirituality from the deck. You still have 99 cards to discuss, right? So that's all it is. It's, it's not rocket science. Yeah. It's an understanding that when you give context, not control. Yeah. So you tell your stories, you build your deck together and you decide in it. A system sounds scary to people, but all it is, is making decisions in advance of when you have to make that decision. Yeah. So in the moment, if we're sitting staring at the trash can and none of us know who's taking it out, there's going to be a fight over it, or you're going to say, I might as well do it myself. And then the rage and resentment cycle starts. If you know in advance who's in charge of taking out the trash, and by the way, that could be change. It could be trash day for you is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, trash day for me is Tuesday, Thursday. This is a flexible system. It's not meant to tell you how to do it, but it's meant to say that if you don't have these conversations, you're going to have the surprise because rage and resentment come with, with the lack of conversation. And that's why if you do the end bun, the communication, if people say, well, how do you even start these conversations? There's just one piece of advice that I'm here to tell you today. And that is 
communication is your most important practice. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks of it that way. I surveyed a thousand people on social media. What's your most important practice? I did ask it vaguely because I didn't really, I wanted to see how people would answer. Most people came up with some sort of meditation practice or exercise practice. Nobody and over a thousand people said communication is their most important practice. It's your most important practice. When I say, Christina, my job to communicate with you is not to tell you to take out the trash, to go pick up the baby from daycare. No, it, my most, the reason why I talk to Christina, most people will say is to tell her something. That's how mm-hmm. we look at communication as a transactional nature to convey information. What if I said to you that communication is literally I talked to Ray. I talked to Ray Taran just to get better at talking to Ray. Mm. I am talking to Christina just to learn how to get better at talking to Christina. Nobody thinks about communication that way. And when you realize that it's a practice and you can get better at it, you can get worse at it, but it has to be frequent. There has to be check-ins when emotion is low. Cognition is high. That's how you get better at practicing something. Just like you wouldn't start riding a bike when you're being chased by a bear. Like you want to do it when you're calm. We learn new skills when emotion is high and cognition, when emotion is low and cognition is high. We have to repeat that over and over again. And then it becomes a ritual, it becomes a practice. And then it becomes the most important practice of our life. Seth and I now do it every day. We check in every day. And sometimes we don't want to do it. It's like exercise, but we know that this is this is it. This commitment to the practice of communication, even if there's nothing quote unquote to say, is how is is going to be the most important linchpin to continuing um, in a place of 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 abundance as opposed to scarcity and anger and resentment and rage. Basically, what does that check in look for you? Look like for you and your partner? Well, in the beginning, it looks like wow, we've never done this. This is really awkward and weird that we're, you know, what do we have to say to each other? Because people are not used to just sitting down and like staring at each other and saying, what am I supposed to be doing here? Mm -hmm. But, but over time, what it starts to look like is, oh, I'm so glad you had a great day today, or I'm glad you're thinking about this, or you're curious about that. And then of course the fair play stuff is in there. Are you good tomorrow? Like, thank you so much for you know, gratitude becomes part of the system. It's not an it's not an input. It becomes an output. Okay, Seth, you're good. You have you know the I'm in charge of school forms. Did you do you have the permission slip because you do you do transportation? So can you give it to them when you're in the carpool line? You know, you start to just it becomes a natural way of how you communicate. Where the fair play cards, the tasks you do become a part of this ritual in a way that is so much less triggering than if you're doing it in the moment. Like we said earlier, like, oh my God, who's taking the dog out? Yeah. You know, it's about to take a piss on the rug. And I think so many of us live in that reactive decision fatigue mm-hmm. that the decision fatigue is what's killing us. It's what's causing yeah. this burnout. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like I, when you're living with a, like in, intentional instead of being reactional, that's right. where it took completely shifts it, right? And makes it less stressful and less extreme because you're not reacting, you're planning and being intentional about it. It's why preventative medicine is the most important thing, but we know people don't take preventative <laughs> measures. They, they react to their mm-hmm. ailments. It, it, I wish I could tell you it's easy to think this way. We Human beings are reactive individuals. Yeah. We are not planning an intentional by nature. But if you can do a little bit of this, even just a little bit, it is, it is life-changing. 
because you start being able to take agency in your own life and you, you realize, oh my God, I don't, ha- I don't have to live this way. Absolutely. And I love that you talk about adding gratitude into it because I think that's such a big thing. I think like as women, we want to feel appreciated yeah. and men want to feel the same way. Men want to feel appreciated as well. Um, okay, but, you so we can't, get into yeah, but you can't do that though. You can't add it as an input. That was always so weird. When I said to people, do you want to thank each other? And then in, in more traditional couples, men would be like, I'm not thanking her. I, I bring home all the money. I make her life. And then women would be like, well, I'm not thanking him. Like I'm, you know, I do everything for him so that he can go work. I was like, okay, this is not, this gratitude thing's not working. It only, it becomes an output of the system when you start to see it work. Mm-hmm. But if you start bringing gratitude in too early, it feels extremely fake and you want to just, it, just doesn't, it doesn't work. So that, <laughs> that I learned that in, in the data. So boundaries, let's end on boundaries because yes. that's my new book. And I think it's such a beautiful, it's the carrot. Like, why are you going to do this? Mm-hmm. What's the point of getting more time back? Why would you even be more efficient? Like, what's the carrot? Well, if, if we tell you that the carrot is more time, uninterrupted attention for something you love, that's what the carrot is. And so I wish I could tell you, Christina and Ray, that a boundary is a walk around the block. So many productivity experts say, fake a commute, you know, walk around the block. <laughs> or I wish I could tell you a boundary is a drink with a friend. But the truth is that the only boundary here that really matters in, in the conversation we're having it is to, to, to believe you deserve it. You deserve to consistently be interested in your own life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a true boundary. And if you believe that you consistently deserve uninterrupted attention for, for things you love to do outside of your roles as a partner, a parent, a professional, then you hold your boundary. You believe your time is diamonds. You're coming from a place of saying, okay, I have a permission to be unavailable from these roles. When guilt and shame rears its ugly head, because it's telling me, society's told me I don't deserve that permission to be unavailable from these roles. I'm going to let it live with me, but not let it affect my decision-making. And I'm going to ask for what I need. Those are the three things that a boundary is. A boundary is three things. It's a permission to be unavailable from your roles. Mm -hmm. It's vanquishing guilt and shame in that unavailability. So it doesn't ruin your unavailability, your unavailable time. And it's being able to ask for what you need. It's harder than you think, but that's oh, a boundary. Definitely. And once you can understand that you deserve all those things to ask for what you need on a consistent basis, which is back to that communication practice, you are allowed to vanquish guilt and shame and say, that's not an emotion that's going to affect my decision-making. And you can believe you deserve uninterrupted attention for things you love that are not paid that are not in the service of your partnership or your kids, then you, you, you come to this work in a different way. Gosh, I love that. And I honestly think that might be one of the hardest things to do. I feel like for women to find that time and to truly believe they deserve it, deserve to go get their nails done or take a, a workout class or whatever it is and deserve that time. I think a lot of women find that challenging. And I think it seems so simple. And I can imagine like it's so rewarding when you actually do it. It's the hardest work. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. why I wrote a whole extra book about it. It's the hardest work to do because again, this comes back to being conditioned from birth that your time, even though we know it's our most valuable currency, we've been taught to give it away for free. Mm. Totally. Um, You know, I had this woman call me and say, oh my God, I was at a funeral and um, 
they're talking on and on about this woman. She's the most selfless person of all time. She was the most giving person. She never said no. She was available to all of us. And I was like, wait, that's not the fucking obituary I want. Seriously, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be memorialized like that. And this woman called me to say, I think you would be really horrified by this, this memorial service. And I was like, yes, I am horrified by it. The availability to others was how she was remembered at her death. And that is something that, that really sticks with me mm-hmm. that I don't want any of us to die by saying and being defined by, by how we, we, we spent that currency just on others, that, that firm groundedness in who we are, um, fighting against the erasure. Look, it happened, Christine, I don't know if you remember that, but for me, it was the erasure when Zach 13 years ago was handed to me in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I had already erased my last name. I didn't even think about changing my name, even though now I would do it differently. Ray, you know, take note. But my first name also went when Zach was handed to me. It was the labor delivery nurse who said, you know, how are you feeling, mom? And then that's it was when those little circle charms were really popular. And I remember putting mom on my neck and feeling so proud that my friend brought it a mom charm for me in the hospital all the way to three years later, when I had my blueberries breakdown of sitting in this group back to the lack of support and isolation, American mothers feel I was sitting so desperate in this preschool group because this woman, this preschool teacher was like, these are the people, these are your people. They're going to be here for you. They're going to bring you the casseroles. They're going to be there. So you don't feel isolated. They're going to be the people who know you best in the world. You're going to have 10 years with them because we had a preschool that went into elementary school. And I remember looking around being like, oh my God, these are the people that are going to know me better than anyone's ever known me. I looked down (laughs) at the name tag. My name tag that day was Zach's mom. Oh my God. And I remember thinking they don't even know my fucking name. Mm. And so that erasure over three years of not even having like a name anymore and being so disoriented and like, who am I? Am I just Zach's mom? So that Mm -hmm. boundary, the the only way to stop that, which is society, really, really a societal conditioning of us is to interrupt it and say, I'm Eve. I have a name. I deserve to be interested in my own life. I deserve my own time. If I'm in a hetero cisgender relationship with kids, my partner can take care of kids by himself. I don't have to fill in with another woman. When I am gone, as you said, Ray, for that lunch, I don't need to bring in his parents or 17 babysitters. It is subversive for men to be able to take care of kids by themselves in this country. And I will protect that boundary when it's really, really hard to protect it. And that's all I can say is that being the ghost of Christmas future for you, Ray, is like, I will never let you lose your name. Your name is important. It matters. You put that R on your neck and you don't get, you don't get subsumed into your roles. That that's the boundary we all have to fight and we fight it together. And if we have spiritual friends, like you have Christina, you, you, you stay accountable to each other, to not being erased. You continue this podcast, which is what I call your unicorn space. Mm-hmm. It's a space of curiosity, creativity, connection and completion. You do this hard thing of getting it out into the world. You can, you always continue that or a version of this. Oh, thank you so much, Eve. I feel like so empowered. Yeah. Your work that you're doing is so important. Um, and I think, I just thank you so much for giving us your time today and we'll have to do a part two, if you're up for it on your other book, unicorn space, which is the carrot that you mentioned of setting up all of these things in fair play so that we have this space 
um, exactly what you talked about. So what you're doing is so important. Everyone Eve's book is fair play. Um, go it's on audible. You can listen to it. If you like to listen, you can read it. Um, Eve, can you let everybody know where they can find you? Yes. Well, back to those resources. If you're interested in playing the game that we played today, fairplaylife.com, you can sign up for our, uh, the newsletter. And we have so many resources because the goal really is to uh, make this a cultural movement of change. Yes. And of course, you can always follow Fair Play Life. We have fun things there. We showcase a lot of other people who are doing important things in this movement so that you know you're never alone. I never want, Christina, for you to ever feel like this is uh, ever your problem again. This is our societal problem that we are going to fix together um, collectively. And I think the pandemic, the one beautiful thing about the pandemic is it shined a light on the fact that we can't live this way anymore. Well, Eve, thank you so much. We won't keep you any longer. We so appreciate you and all that you're doing. Honestly, we're so honored you're with us today. Um, Big hugs. This is so fun. Thank you for your really thoughtful questions and your vulnerability and sharing your stories. And again, let's do a part two. Amazing. We love that. Thank you, Eve. Okay, bye. 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 Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.